good morning, everyone. Stand with us as we open in worship. We sing about the one who saves. Jesus saves. Sing along. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tides all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. say amen to that that he does about to knock over stand boy I think we could do better and that's pretty pitiful really come on there you go yeah it's good to see you here this morning isn't it a beautiful day in Nolensville Tennessee it is lovely outside it's going to be a wonderful afternoon and just a good chance to get out and enjoy I appreciate so much everybody filling in for me last week while I was out in Naples Florida I just make you feel jealous we had like 87 degrees every day last week that we were going no rain whatsoever and what do we do we come back to Nashville where we live and we have storms and all this kind of stuff come through but I hope you are safe during all the storms and not any damage to your place that you live. It's good to see you here, though, and to be back home in Sunset Hills this morning. If today is your first time to be with us to worship, thank you for coming and taking some time out of your schedule to uh, praise God in what we do in our songs in our time of preached word. If you are the, this is your first time, you're our welcome guest. We would love to get to know you better. So if you would just take some time either to go out into the foyer out to welcome a kiosk out there and see some folks to fill out some paperwork, just a short form, or you can do it by texting hi to that number up on the screen there just to tell us who you are so we can kind of follow up and say, we're glad you came this way. You good to be, are you glad to be at church this morning? Looking forward to a good time of worship and praising God. Let's continue as we sing. This next song we're going to do, it simply says that he is the one. It's all because of Jesus, the giver of every breath, the authority of all eternity. Sing along with us as we sing.
God, just so grateful for that hope. God, that living hope. And God, of all the other faiths and religions in the world, God, we're so grateful that we serve the King of Kings who conquered death. God, we serve a God who is the only one that God has an empty tomb. Lord, it's that empty tomb that gives us hope that, Lord, when you return, you will take back your own. God, I just pray this morning, if there's one here that has never made that decision to be called your own, that God, today could be their day. Lord, your word makes it so clear that that it could be the blink of an eye this whole thing that we've worked so hard for called this life would be over. And God, our next breath would be taken in eternity. Eternity in a devil's hell, God, or eternity in an amazing place called heaven that you've prepared for us. God, today I just pray, God, that we would not take a chance on eternity. God, that we would say yes to you. Lord, we love you. And Lord, as we enter into this time of preach word, anoint these words, God, let them speak to our hearts. And God, let us be obedient to what you've called us to today. We love you so much. In the precious name of your beautiful son, Jesus, that we pray, amen. You may be seated today. On January 5th, 2018, an incredible event happened in downtown Nashville. It was something that took a great deal of planning to orchestrate and to make happen. And even though it was a very cold day that day in January, that morning, my son Brett and my grandson Stone and I went downtown to see this event that was supposed to take place. It was an event that created a great deal of fanfare, and many people were coming to watch in person to see what was going to happen just as we did that morning. Some even cheered when this event took place, and it was both an event that had grief as well as uh, 
was celebrated when it happened. I was able to be just a few blocks away and was able to take out my phone and find a spot that I could take some video of this event that we had all gone downtown to see. And I want to share it with you this morning and take a look at the screens. How many of you remember this event that took place, the implosion of the Lifeway Towers in downtown Nashville? Anybody remember that took place? Now, on the one hand, I was very sorry and sad to see this important religious and denominational headquarter fall, this landmark, implode the way that it did. On the other hand, who doesn't like a good implosion of a big, tall building, right? I mean, it's pretty cool to see, to think about all of that happening. In my opinion, it's truly remarkable to see and to understand all the planning that it takes to place those explosives, those explosives in just the right place that would cause a tower like the Lifeway Towers to come falling down. Implosions are pretty cool. At least when it's a structure like the Lifeway Tower was. But people in implosions are not pretty, nor are they cool. And yet we see people implosions all the time, self-destruction. I'm sure that it wouldn't take you too long to think of someone who has been the victim of a downfall due to their own actions that they've done. And there are notable characters within the Bible who have self-imploded. In fact, there are many of them. Stories of sadness when wrong and ungodly choices are made. One such story is a man by the name of Peter. And what makes Peter's story different is that he went from implosion to comeback. You're familiar with the story. Let me set it up for you by reading from Scripture, Matthew 26, verses 31 through 35, on the way Jesus told them, Tonight all of you will desert me, for the Scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you from Galilee to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter declared, watch this, even if everyone else deserts you, you see what it says? I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter answered and insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never, I will never, let those words sink in a moment. I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. 
Peter, Jesus had been in the upper room with his 12 disciples. They had had the Passover meal together, which he really turns into the, the Lord's Supper as we know it, the Last Supper. Then he shocked all the disciples by saying this, one of you is going to betray me. And that, that shocked everybody. They couldn't believe that they were about to hear those, or hearing those words, that one of the 12 was going to be the guy who turns Jesus in, a traitor. They all begin to say, wonder, is, Lord, is it me? Am I the one? Have I already done it? Am I going to do this? And then Peter, in his typical foot-in-the-mouth kind of uh, braggadocious way, says, even if everyone else does this, God, it won't be me. I'm not going to be the one who will desert you. And you can almost kind of just hear his and understand as you know something about Peter, his braggadocious way, how he is in his voice. He's so, so sure all the others will, Lord, sure, that they may just run out on you, but it's not going to be me. I'm never going to deny you. And that's Peter. Peter, after all, is brave. He's bold. You might call him brawny. He has been the kind of the one in charge of the disciples, so to speak. He's the go-getter. He, he's the one, remember, who gets out of the boat to go and see Jesus. And he's the one that has called the others to action by both his words and by his example. But yet, on the other hand, he often says some very hasty things and takes actions that he later regrets, like stepping out of that boat. You remember, it wasn't too long he was sinking in the water. He was always saying things that he wished he had not, like telling Jesus, you can't go to the cross, Jesus. No, no, you can't do that. And yet Jesus has to say to him, you, you need to get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. And some of those great qualities that make Peter so great and admirable also contribute to some of his greatest problems and even failures. And he actually shows all of those qualities in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest Jesus. He's brave. He pulls out his sword, and he cuts off a man's ear. And what does Jesus say to him? Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How could, how then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? You know what he's really doing? He's saying, Peter, it's not that way, dude. We're not going to accomplish what the plan is that God has for me by fighting it this way. You're really out of control here. And so we pick up a, the story again in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Now I want to read this because I just really want you to get the gravity of the situation, of how what Jesus is facing. They took Jesus to the high priest... And the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance. Remember that. He follows him. Had him right into the courtyard of the high priest. And there he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. And the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin uh, were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. 
And they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then, stood, uh, then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and, and in three days we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are, are you the Messiah, the, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus simply says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. And then some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him, stuck, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. You see, Jesus and his disciples had made such an impression on the city by this time that that they were all recognized. They knew that Peter had been one of them. Not even someone of prominence, like a soldier, would be one to call him out. This servant girl calls Peter out as one of his disciples, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went on out into the entryway. And when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this, this fellow, he's one of them. And again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near to, said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. Maybe they recognized his accent. Maybe they, I, I, I was spent some time in Florida, and it was pretty easy to tell that I wasn't from there. In fact, it was easy to tell that a lot of people that were there weren't from there. Maybe they caught Peter by his accent and said, You're a Galilean. This upsets Peter. And he began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. He's very emphatic. So much for, so that he's basically swearing by a than he is. And it comes out as cursing. No, you're mistaken. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words... Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. 
And he broke down and wept. Peter's so sure. And yet, he's so wrong of his confidence. Asked by a servant girl, he denies it. Asked by the girl again, he denies it. Asked by a, another third person, a stranger, and what does he do? He calls down curses upon himself and denies it. He does exactly what he vowed he would not do. It's an epic implosion of someone who had been so sure of himself. In fact, it's a pitiful picture of someone who had great promise. Someone that had been specifically chosen by Jesus himself to become a follower. And one of the most prized positions of prominence as anyone could have following and traveling and being taught by Jesus. And what does he do? He goes down in history. Not only is just one of those followers, but as someone who has had epic failure and imploded, implosion. Certainly, this would not be how someone would want to be remembered. A very short moment in time that happens when before he'd been so bold, and yet in those seconds, rather than standing for the truth, he blows it. And in those brief moments would be remembered for something different for all time as someone who denied Jesus. It's kind of like that video, the Lifeway implosion, a beautiful building that took many, many months, maybe longer to build, a, a building of substantial prominence to the people who worked there and to what was accomplished there on behalf of the Southern Baptist Convention. I know the beauty of that building because I had been in that building many times for meetings. A landmark in the Nashville skyline for many years. And in seconds, what took so long to build up imploded to be no more. There are many lessons here that this can serve for, but in this specific situation, I want us to see, and especially want our younger folk to see, a reputation that takes years to build can implode in a matter of seconds with ungodly actions. You can work all of your life to build something up really good, to build up a good name for yourself, and in a matter of minutes or seconds, it'd be gone. We live in a time when one misspoke word or wrong deed can destroy a lifetime of doing good. Character and reputation canceled out in a matter of seconds. We also live in a time where one wrong pill containing fentanyl can destroy a life. It's happening all around us. We think we have so much figured out in this life 
that we declare ourselves to be self-sufficient, and yet we're so vulnerable that in a matter of seconds, life can change dramatically. We've been in a dark house since Friday's strong winds blew across Tennessee. Fortunately and thankfully, we didn't have any damage to our home or property, as many have, or loss of life, as some have. But once again, we just found out just how weak we are against strong weather conditions. So we have been in the dark. And last night, Lynn decided to place an order online to Walmart and have it delivered to our house. And pretty soon the order was delivered. And you know how some delivery services will take a picture of where they place that particular uh, package that has been delivered to your house so that you know where it is. Well, the delivery person took a picture of the delivery to our house, and here, here's, a, here's a picture of it. <laughs> That's how dark it was. She said, here's a photo of where your order was left, and you can barely make out that there's a package there. You get a real sense of how vulnerable you really are when your power goes out. Peter had been pretty sure of himself up to this point. He had proclaimed he would never be the one who would abandon Jesus. And yet, he vows to never leave Jesus' side. Why, even earlier in the evening, he had wanted to fight the arresting mob, and he draws his sword out and cuts off the soldier's ear. He, he hasn't gotten to this place just yet to where he realizes it's dark. And how vulnerable he is. Remember what he said? Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. He had once rebuked Jesus. Remember the time when Jesus said this? He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, of the law and that he must be killed after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this. In other words, it was very clear that this was going to happen, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. This is how sure Peter is that he would rebuke the Son of God. Over and over, he shows his arrogance and his self-assurance. But at that moment, at that very second that he hears the cock crow a second time, this once self-assured and arrogant man becomes a coward and begins to realize his vulnerability and his brokenness. And Luke records this powerful exchange of eye contact between Jesus and Peter. In chapter 22, 
It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Now, I want you to just kind of focus in on that just for a second. With all that Jesus is going through, with the crowd that's around him, with all the, the, the hub, hubbub that's, that's happening, and, and people are just doing the things they're doing to Jesus, what does he do? He looks straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you would disown me three times. And here's how he responds. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The denial of the Lord weighed heavy on his heart. And scriptures say that he wept bitterly meaning there was great wailing and sobbing for what had just happened. I don't know about you, but you know what? When I mess up, and I'm aware of it, I play that situation in my mind over and over again. Like, why did I do that? You idiot. What were you thinking? I just wonder how many times Peter plays that moment, that look over and over in his mind that, where his eyes lock with Jesus. And what we discover here that this self-confident, arrogant guy is now broken. I think one of the reasons that Jesus may have told Peter ahead of time that he was going to deny him and, and, and was to get Peter to see and experience the whole idea of being broken. For you see, brokenness places you in a position of experiencing your own vulnerability and helplessness. It has a potential of changing you to be broken while it is very unpleasant, while we don't want to be there, if you allow it, it can get you to see that you need a rescue, a restoration, if you will. And I really think this is where Peter finds himself in that moment of brokenness in that tender moment when the eyes of Jesus meet up with the eyes of Peter. And what do you suppose Peter saw in the eyes of Jesus? Condemnation? No. Compassion. I want you to remember that Peter and those disciples were men that Jesus truly loves. And in spite of the failings or the denials, when Peter looks into the eyes of Jesus, he sees love and compassion. Because the love of Jesus is unconditional. The love of Jesus is not determined by our own effectiveness or lack of. If you, here you see that 
Jesus is looking to the eyes of Peter, and he's showing compassion. In Peter's pitiful position of cowardice and brokenness, thank goodness wasn't the end of the story. It would have been a bad thing if he had just stayed in that kind of, of attitude and position. But Peter was able to do something incredible. He, he is able to have a comeback. And what a comeback he makes. If you want to know the extent of his comeback, all you have to do is look shortly thereafter and read about his ministry in the book of Acts. And you look how God used Peter on the day of Pentecost. Or when he addresses the Sanhedrin, the same religious leaders who had put Jesus to death, who had, Jesus has these encounters with earlier, the same ones who are now upset with the preaching of, of Peter and John about the resurrected, resurrected Jesus, look at how he faces them with courage and boldness. And basically says, you're the ones who put Jesus to death. And look at the rest of his life. It's a total commitment to Jesus Christ. Peter is restored to Jesus despite the tragedy of the actions that night. You want know, one thing that you can say about Peter? I mean, it's easy to beat him up. But remember, Peter was still following, even at a distance. And even though, after Jesus had been placed in the grave and the disciples thought, well, it's over now. And they're all gathered in a room and locked up because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Jesus, uh, Peter didn't just say, well, to heck with it, I'm done. He still gathers with those disciples. So he still has an interest in Jesus. He's restored. He may have been broken, yet there's compassion found in the eyes of Jesus. And you know what I believe? That at that very moment, when those eyes meet... That's the point in time that Peter's comeback starts. I, I think it was at that moment that he, felt the, that he feels the agony of his failure that he finds grace and compassion from the only one who can give it to him. And even though Peter had failed so miserably, he still discovers that he's loved by Jesus. And the comeback wasn't complete yet, but I believe this was the beginning point of it. I mean, there's still work that he has to do in order to get to that point of the ultimate comeback. But I think Peter had had to experience the brokenness in order to prepare him for what Jesus was calling him to do. Peter could have been like Judas... He could have allowed himself to be so full of sorrow and remorse that he would go out and commit suicide like Judas did, but he didn't. And even though he is full of shame, Peter kept coming back to Jesus. 
There's been a lot of talk over the past few weeks about revival. And what a great thing that's been happening all across the country. True revival is what I believe. If you're going to have true revival, here's what I believe has to happen. And it's not to say that what's been happening is not true. I haven't been there. I believe it to be true. I believe that there is a force that is happening within our country that's, that hopefully we will see continue and it will sweep across this country like a wave of revivals in times past. Lord knows we need it. And it's not just the country, it's in our churches that we need revival. In fact, revival won't start out there. Revival will start with God's people. But here's what I really believe is going to have to happen for true revival to happen. True revival begins when our brokenness meets Christ's compassion and we seek his forgiveness for our sins in true repentance. That's what true revival is. It's to realize our brokenness and that we need a compassionate Savior to come to us at those times when we're not able to do anything of ourselves. We're not able to save ourselves, but we understand how broken and desperate and needy we are, and we seek His forgiveness for our sins. We've all got sins, and we find repentance in that we find forgiveness and until we become broken we won't realize the need for a savior and when we get to the point like that broken as Peter was we get to that point where we realize there's really only one true solution one obvious answer and we see that same look that Peter receives from Jesus. Do you know what? We have to be willing to look back at Jesus. When he's looking at us with compassion, we have to be willing to look into his eyes and discover that compassion and that love and allow him to change our brokenness into comeback to allow our brokenness to be replaced by restoration. Our power was restored this morning about 12.30, thanks to the hard work and dedication of NES crews. Do not ever take for granted those people who work out in the field trying to get power back on to us who are sitting there who can't do anything about it. They deserve to be called heroes. So even though I had just fallen asleep, when the power came on, lights instantly came on around our house and things started making noises and you know how, what happens when all of a sudden everything comes back on. There's light and there's noise. And there's Lynn snoring <laughs> through it all. You know what I did immediately? I got out of bed and unplugged the refrigerators and the freezer from the generator and plugged them into the real source of power. 
There was no use to continue to try to use the temporary source of power found in a gasoline generator. It was soon going to run out of fuel anyway and quit running. I was going to have to get up and go fill it up again in the middle of the night. It would have been foolish to keep filling up that small tank of gas and running those appliances from that source of power that stopped often when there was a better source of power available. Yet, that's what many people choose to do. Over and over and over, they keep trying to overcome their failures and their shortcomings through their own feeble efforts rather than turning to Jesus. If I just work a little harder, if I just do a, a good deed today, maybe God's going to smile on me and things are going to get better. It just doesn't work. Because all of those things we try to do are temporary, like that gasoline generator that's going to eventually just run out of fuel. You can't do it. I was dealing with someone this week. Actually, started last week while we were in Florida. The person who is, who is continues to be in a desperate situation. He thought he had a couple of options available on how he could solve his situation. I won't share with you what it is. But as we talked about what was happening in his life, there really, to me, was only one viable option available. And as we talked about this, not once, not twice, but three different times in three different conversations, I kept pointing out that you, well, you, can, you can hope, you can wish, you can expect someone else to try to solve all this, but there really is only one solution to your problem, and he has refused thus far to accept the solution. No matter how obvious it is, no matter how desperate it is, he is, he's still bound and determined to try to work at this other solution when there's no way it's going to work. And I can tell you, I'm very, very assured that his solution is not going to work, that there's only one he could do. The solution seems so obvious to me but he refuses to accept the one path that leads to overcoming. I truly hope that we don't find ourselves in such a stubborn condition that we choose to remain on a path of implosion. That's what the path of sin does. Once you start down that path, it would take you to a point of implosion. Make no mistake about it. 
But there's a better way than choosing that kind of lifestyle. And it's found in repentance and reconciliation and restoration that that leads to a personal comeback. And that is found in Jesus Christ. And there is no other way to accomplish that except through him. Can you recall a time, maybe even recently, that you felt a sense of regret because you want to act differently than what you did before the Lord? Maybe it was words you used or didn't use, how you acted in a particular relationship. Maybe it was a lost opportunity to take a stand for Christ or share your faith in Him. Maybe it's a a behavior pattern that doesn't please God that you're locked into a, a, a reoccurring sin, a constant disappointing action, an accusation against God, a sense of doubt. Maybe it's not an all-out denial, not denial, but certainly missing the mark of expressing a powerful witness of your relationship with Christ. And you know it. If you've answered yes to any of those ponderings and questions, then you've experienced a Peter moment a sinking feeling of knowing that you fell short. And yet, I want you to know this. Even though you may have felt that, it's not the end of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You may feel broken that He let you down. But there's opportunity there for restoration when you realize you need restoration. No matter how deep you may have sunk into a problem, Jesus is able to rescue out of your problem. And what you'll find is compassion. But yet it takes you, it takes us making the choice for a comeback. And when we get to that point of realizing there's no other way out, and we call out to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, we find an incredible love to surround us. It is true that with Jesus we can experience a comeback. You may at some time think that God's forgotten you. He hasn't. You may in those moments think that you're not worthy. He knows that you've fallen away. If you've ever been there, all you have to do is pray a prayer asking for the compassion of Jesus. Here's what God said way back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 15, 19. If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can, watch this, continue to serve me. If you return to me, here's what I will do. I'll restore 
you for a purpose. It may be so that the testimony that you now have of your restoration and comeback is made available for someone else who's been in exactly the same place you have been. I really think, going back to Peter, I really think that Peter had to experience this in order to get him to a place where he could do what he was able to do after he was restored. If you return to me, I will restore you. And then here's what's found also in Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scar scarlet, even though this was written in Old Testament times, man, how it applies to when Jesus comes and takes care of our sins is incredible. It was a prediction of what he was going to do on our behalf, that even though your sin, even though my sin be as, as uh, like scarlet, prominent, visible, overwhelming, Here's what happens. They shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson. They, be, they shall be as wool. So it does not matter what we've done, how far you've fallen, no matter how deep the stain of sin is, Jesus is saying, God is saying, I can make it white as snow as if it never appeared. Isn't that great? Isn't that a wonderful promise for his children, for his church, and for the world? And then one more verse that says this. Isaiah 54, 7, God declares with great compassion, I will take you back. Wow. This is the compassion that Peter gets to have shown upon him, where Jesus basically says to him, with great compassion, Peter, I take you back. Would you pray with me, please? We find great promises, Father, in the story of Peter, that all of us are just like him at times. We mess up like he did, we fail. Why, we may deny you and Jesus with our actions. And we beat ourselves up. Yeah, maybe we should be disappointed in ourselves. But thank you, Father, that we don't have to stay in that place of defeat. That you never stop loving us even in the midst 
of the struggles that we endure, oftentimes just brought on ourselves, that you say, with great compassion, I take you back. Come experience my love. Come wash your sins away in my forgiveness. Come live a life that is so much better than the paths of sin. You give us that invitation to truly do life with you. Father, we're so grateful for this. And pray that, if it, that there's not a single person here today that's stuck in this position that Peter found himself in when he failed you so miserably. They might, they might be there but also would look back on Peter's life and would be see the reality that there's a way out. I don't have to keep on making the same mistakes over and over again. I, I, I don't have to keep on living a life of defeat. I can live in your compassion and in your love. And today, I choose... I choose to accept that. There's here someone here, Father, that has yet to come to that point where they've chosen you, or yet that they have strayed so far they think they can't come back today. Would they, would they be so compelled by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit leading them to to? To make a choice that they would choose Jesus as Savior, as Lord of their life, as someone to walk with. And to have the courage to do something about it by making that choice. I encourage you if you're here and you need to make a decision, a choice for Jesus today that you do it. From where you're sitting or standing in a moment, by coming to this altar and saying, I, I, I really need this. I need to feel your love, God. So I'm coming here in this altar and I'm praying because it's just something about here. It's just a stronger commitment. It's a stronger realization. Maybe just coming to me as a pastor and just say, Pastor, would you just pray with me about this? If God is leading you to make a decision today, please, please be obedient as we stand and as we sing. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling calling for you 
churches today an invitation song a hymn that I've known ever since I was a little boy probably most of you have wouldn't be popular in that church like we can't sing that because wow it's kind of depressing death beds are gathering time is fleeing but it's true And the only way to overcome that deathbed coming is by yielding yourself to the plea of Jesus. Father, I pray that we have placed ourselves in that position of being yielded to you that if a deathbed comes today for me or for one of us, that we don't have to worry about it. We know it's done. We know that our future, our eternity is secure. 
not because we've done anything to earn it or accomplish it, because you have had compassion on us by giving your son Jesus to cleanse us of our sin as we have placed ourselves at the foot of the cross and asked for forgiveness. I pray that's every prayer of every person. And if not, Father, would your Holy Spirit do his work. In Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. May be seated, please. Everybody, good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, a lot of things going on with our women's ministry, our men's ministry, and our student ministry. Uh, this past week just started with our camp sign-ups. And so, uh, moms and dads, if you don't have paperwork on that and need more information, please let me know. And I, I, I want to take a moment and just say um, we have some opportunities to serve uh, that we're looking for some find folks to step into. And so if you're here and you're just looking for that next step and you want to plug in at a deeper level, uh, we have several different places um, in our ministry that we're needing some, some help in and uh, some, some people with servants' hearts to step into and uh, love on some folks. So if that's you, if uh, God has laid that on your heart, uh, please come and see me and I'll kind of direct you in those areas uh, to consider and pray about this week. Just a couple of uh, announcements to our deacon body. Uh, this coming Wednesday evening, we'll have our questioning for three of our deacon candidates who will be ordained next Sunday. We have ordination service of, of three men who have been chosen by the church and set out to become deacons and leaders in our church. So this coming Wednesday night, we're going to have our questioning session for uh, those three men. So if you're an ordained man, I invite you to come to our uh, questioning time. We'll, we'll have it over in this room right over here at 6.30 where we are interviewing these uh, candidates and hearing their testimony and, uh, and challenging them to step up and, and, and to be those leaders within our church. So we invite anyone who's ordained to come and be a part of that uh, presbytery. And then next Sunday morning, we will have the ordination of those three men, and we will be installing those three along with, um, uh, I'm trying to do math, and I can't do math, simple uh, subtraction. Uh, how many? Uh, 13 others, 16. Thank you, Danny. I, I needed to help there. It's like, it's been a long, I've been in the dark a little too long, that's all. <laughs> Uh, 16 men that we will install as deacons next Sunday morning during our time of worship as well. We invite you. It's a very special time to, uh, for our church to uh, do an ordination service and installation, and I invite you to be here for that as well. Again, we thank you for being here, and thanks for allowing Lynn and myself to uh, spend some time away. We went down and saw a good friend of our church who's been a member of our church in times past, Mr. Randall Baskin, and had some time spending in, with him and enjoyed our time away. Saw an alligator while we were down there, not in a cage, but on the side of the road. I mean, in a, he was in a, well, there was an alligator in the water, so, and Lynn was like, don't bring him any closer. And it's like, if he comes, I'm running. You're it. Would you please stand?
One last announcement I want to uh, mention while you're standing. Men's breakfast is this coming Saturday, 759, fellowship, cooking. Um, and uh, man, the men's breakfast has just been really great for the last few months. And so uh, we're going to keep that rolling. Yeah, please come. And I have one other announcement, too. On Tuesday evening, they will also have a deacons meeting. This is a current group of men. And we'll be meeting also. And uh, you men already know the purpose of that meeting. So this is coming Tuesday meeting at 6.30. I think I'm done. I'm done, too. All right, see you later. Have a great week, everyone. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what, we would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person, we would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.